Does the idea of writing a book proposal make you queasy? Are you tired of starting a book proposal only to keep stopping and walking away? Today's guest will give you the top five elements you must include in a book proposal that will help you not only begin, but to finish your proposal with confidence. Stick around. Your best writing life begins in 30 seconds. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Welcome to Your Best Writing Life, an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Each week, I bring you tips and strategies from experts in the writing and publishing industry to help you excel in your craft. I'm so glad you're listening in. During this episode, you're going to learn the five essentials for every book proposal. My industry expert, I'm so glad that he's here joining us today, is Terry Whalen. Let me tell you a little bit about Terry. Terry is an editor and author of more than 60 books, count them folks, and has written for more than 50 magazines. Several of Terry's books have sold over 100,000 copies. Terry and his wife live in Denver, and we are so glad to have you, Terry Whalen, here on Your Best Writing Life. Welcome. Thank you, Linda. It's an honor to be with you today. Well, we're going to cover a lot, so we're not going to mess around here at the front end. You have a <laughs> lot for us. So, Terry, I know that you have written two book proposals that received six-figure advances. Whoa! Tell me a little bit more about why proposals are so important and kind of what your feelings are about book proposals. Well, Linda, I'm working now at uh, Morgan James Publishing, which is a New York publishing house. And I've they're the third publishing house that, that I've worked at in the acquisitions editors area. So I've read thousands of book proposals over the years. And I believe that every author, uh, whether writing fiction, nonfiction, children's books, gift books, whatever it is that they're writing, needs a book proposal. And even if they self-publish, they still need a book proposal because that book proposal is their business plan of how they're going to succeed as an author. And hey, I know there are a lot of work to write these proposals, but mm. it's a very valuable experience for every author. I like that you said even for self-publishing authors, because we might think, well, I'm not sending it to anyone, so why does it matter? And I like that you call it a business plan, because it is. We need to know what it is that we're going to do, what needs to be done, how we're going to accomplish it. And book proposals are the, the creme de la creme of setting that standard for us. And you say that there's five essentials that we must have in every book proposal. Let's start with the first one. What is the first essential that we need for book proposals? 
Well, and it may seem a little basic to people that I say this, but every proposal should have excellent writing from the first sentence through the final page in their in their proposal. Several years ago, I interviewed another acquisitions editor, Linda, and I asked him, I said, how do you know when you find a good proposal? And he said, well, Terry, I read the first sentence. And if it's a good sentence, I read the next sentence. And if it's a good paragraph, I read the next paragraph. That shows you what we all do. So you don't want to bury your good stuff, you know, over on page five, because they may never get there. I mean, that's the truth. <laughs> yes. No, that's wisdom. That is wisdom. As you said, there are so many book proposals. You've had so many in front of you. You can't go through everything with a fine tooth comb. So you're going to be looking, what excellence are you giving me right off the bat? What is it that I'm going to go, whoa, I like what this person has to say. So we've got to have that excellent writing. Terry, I'm going to put this out here for us to discuss for a second. We have aspiring writers. They're getting ready to write a proposal. And maybe they're not real confident in their writing. What can they do to help themselves have excellent writing? One of the best things they can do is to write magazine articles. I mean, mm. like you said in the introduction that I've written 50 magazine articles. I've been a magazine editor at several different places over the years. And print magazine has a much higher standard as far as the quality than like, say, a blog post or something you write online. So um, I encourage people to write those, write those magazine articles. Almost every magazine will take a personal experience article, for example. And we all have personal experiences, strange, ugly, whatever that we have in our lives. <laughs> well, write, write those up. You know, that's, that's a thousand, fifteen hundred words. And that's a whole lot easier to write those and get those published than, say, a 50 to 100,000 word book. You know, it's a lot less nice. effort. So write those articles, get that experience and, you know, learn how to craft a really interesting title how do you how do you get them sucked in from the first sentence how do you write a beginning a middle and end you know all those kind of little basics that you learn in the magazine area here's a little secret is if you write on similar topics and let's say you write 15 of them those could be 15 chapters in a book you're writing together if you plan it out and weave them together that way. So nothing's wasted in, in this in this business if you really calculate and put it together right. And the reach that you get through articles, you'll have more people reading your articles than possibly picking up your book. But when they get a taste of who you are in your articles, they're going to be looking for that book. So you're also helping to build a base of possible readers. Oh, and yes. and you also get the writing credit. So you have the writing credit for different magazines. That always looks great on a proposal as well. Very, very good. All right. So what is number two? What do we need to have the essential number two for book proposals? Yeah, the number two is to really write your proposal for a specific audience and with the ability 
to reach that audience. And that may not seem very obvious to people either, but many people, I'll ask them who, who their proposal is for, and they'll say, well, this book is for everybody. Well, no book is for everybody, Linda. So you Other know, than the Bible. The Bible is yeah, for everybody. <laughs> that's right. That's right. The Bible is for everybody. But even the Bible, look at all the different versions of the Bible we have and the translations and sure. all that. Sure. So those are all crafted for different people. <laughs> you know, the Quest Study Bible has a different audience than the Ryrie Study Bible, for example. Right, so, right, uh, right. So you have to think about who your specific audience is. And the other part of this that I think is essential is you have to have the ability to actually reach those people. How are you connected to them? How And you have to show that in your proposal. So that, those are key elements that you include in the proposal. And when we're looking at that audience, you know, Terry, sometimes we have an author who fears niching themselves down and like they're limiting who they're speaking to. But truly, when we have someone who becomes an expert in a particular people group subject, well, they're sought after. We want to know. You're not all over the map. You're focusing here. And when you say the ability to reach that audience, my understanding is when you are sending in a proposal, they're going to want to see, are you currently active with that audience? Are you drawing that audience in? Is that what you find yourself? Oh, yeah. they they That's why publishers are are looking at social media, they're Googling your name to see if uh, you're out there, uh, all those kinds of elements, because that is your presence in the marketplace. Now, some people call that a platform or whatever, but and it's not that your numbers have to be so high, but you do have to have the ability to reach those people. And so maybe it's, maybe it's through an email list, maybe it's uh, through through a blog, maybe it's uh, YouTube videos. I mean, there's just all different kinds of ways to do that kind of thing. But you have to easily show the publisher that you're you're the right person to make this decision. Now, why is that? You know, every every publisher, if if they're going to buy your book and invest in your book, they're going to spend you know twenty. Thirty, fifty thousand dollars on that process internally to get that book out there into the market, and so you have to show that kind of value in your in your proposal, so that somebody wants to do that for you. You absolutely do because they're investing in us. They're investing. They are saying, you know what, we're going to put money out there. We're going to sink what we have into your future. So yes, we need to be able to say, and I'm a good investment. I'm already here. I know the market. I'm active in the market. And they love me. we, We love that when we have that interaction. Very, very good. Let's look at the essential number three. You say that we need to have a well-crafted title, subtitle, and alternatives I think there's a lot of authors who may think, well, the title really doesn't matter because the publishing house is going to change it anyway. 
What are your thoughts there? That's exactly why I included that one, Linda, is everybody thinks the publisher, they're going to pick the title, right? Well, I've been in title meetings. It's where you don't want your book. I've I've been in title meetings where we have a whiteboard full of titles, and we're trying to figure out what in the heck we're going to call your book. And you know the one person that's not in the room? I mean, the editor, the marketing people, the sales people, they're all the publicity people, they're all there in the room. The one person that's not there is you as the mm. author. <laughs> and and you don't right. really want to be in that kind of situation. And so the best thing you can do for yourself is to come up with a really well-crafted title. I mean, it's pretty simple. There are three to six words, you know, something that's going to fit on the spine of a book and that's going to draw people into reading about your topic. So imagine your book in the bookstore, spine out, which is how most books are. What words are going to be there on your book? Mm -hmm. That's that's what you have for your title. And a subtitle is always about the benefit for the reader. So that subtitle is focused on that. So like my book, Book Proposals That Sell, the subtitle is 21 Secrets to Speed Your Success. <laughs> See what I did there? That's a benefit right. for the reader. Right. And then you want to have alternatives, not just the one title, because they're going to look at those alternatives. If they don't, if they don't like your title or if they have a similar title in the publishing house or they know that a similar title was just published – they're going to look at your alternatives as something that they can call your book. And you as the author are the best person to come up with this because you know your stuff where the publisher sort of knows your book. They sort of care about your book, but you're the one that has the greatest passion and stake here in this. So come up with the best title that you can for this. This is good. It seems like common sense, but the importance is you're not in the room. <laughs> you're not in the room when the decisions are being made. So make sure what you give them allows them to see your creativity, but know that you're on point and you know your content. And Terry, I often will share with writers the importance of maybe having a beta team Having a group that's heard you speak several times, they know the content that you're writing on and what is it that rings with them? What draws them in, especially if they're your audience, not necessarily your best friends. Your best friends may not be the people that are going to buy your book, but those that do, if you have several titles, cast them out there and ask them, what do you think? What would draw you in? I think it's always good to get others to take a look. But remember, as the writer, as the author, the buck stops with you or the title stops with you in the proposal. And then once it's accepted, well, that's another whole ballgame there. But let's get it in, get it passed and accepted, and then we'll go from there. You really want to do want to test your title. I, I talked with an author a while back and I asked her what her title was. She says, oh, it's a secret. I have a secret title. 
Well, <laughs> if, if you have a secret title, that's going to be really hard for us to test and know whether that's the, the right title for your book or not. But uh, titles, titles can't be copyrighted, uh, which, you know, I've seen some publishers actually publish two novels in a season with the same exact same title. And so mm-hmm. you want to, you want to check, you want to look at, look at Amazon or some places like that to see if, see if your title's already out there and then make something that's, that's distinct. But uh, the, I mean, you can trademark a title, but that's, that's more, much more expensive and costly process than what we're talking about here. I'm just, I'm just saying, come up with the very best title that you can and if if it's a good title, it'll make it through the publishing process. I've I've seen it happen over and over with my books through the years, for example. Absolutely. And and folks, again, we're believers in Jesus Christ. We're here trusting that God has given us the message that we have to write it the way that He has us writing it, to get it out to the audience that He already has set up for us. And we don't walk in fear. We don't fear someone else is going to take this and they're going to do something with it. That's why we have a little bit of urgency. Go ahead and get it out. If God has placed something on your heart, this is your passion. This is the area that you have invested yourself. Don't hesitate. Get it out there and don't be fearful. Someone can't take what you have if it's not something that they can run with themselves. So your story is your story. Your title is going to ring true for you. And God already has it ready for you. So we don't walk in fear. Number four, I like that you say we need to have a thoughtful and thorough personal marketing plan. So chime in. Yeah, when I, when I, The reason I included this, Linda, is that everybody, everybody thinks, well, gee, doesn't my publisher do the marketing? And yes, they will to an extent. But uh, I tell every author that I work with that it's going to be 80% up to you to sell books. Uh, mm-hmm. My my revelation experience about this uh, happened, Linda, in, in 2007. I was a... Uh, I was a literary agent. I had a small agency uh, in the Arizona area, and I got invited out to uh, Los Angeles, California. Mark Victor Hansen, the co-author for his Chicken Soup for the Soul books, was having a mega book marketing university out there. And so I think I was kind of a cheap date, you know, as I really look at it, because uh, I was... uh, invited out there and I didn't didn't cost much to get me get me to Los Angeles and so I took pitches from people while I was there at that conference but I also sat there with about 400 people listening to different speakers and at that point in my life I'd written about 50 books for traditional publishers I'd been paid advances all that kind of thing but I was receiving negative royalty statements now, let's say I'd been paid a $10,000 advance. Well, that book had to earn $10,000 in order for me to more make money on that book. And so the publisher, every period, whether it's annually or quarterly or whatever it was, would send me a statement about my book and how it was doing. They were all in the minus category back then. Hmm. And so hmm. as I sat there during that conference and listened to people, 
I realized that I was doing almost nothing to promote my own books. Back then, I had a little terrywhalen.com website, um, but I didn't. I wasn't doing anything. We didn't have social media and all that stuff back then, and so I made a decision at that event. Uh, Jack Canfield uh, was also a speaker there, and Jack has written this uh, book called The Success Principles. The first principle in The Success Principles is that I will take 100% responsibility for my own success. Hmm. Now, none of us want to take 100% responsibility for our own success, but I decided that I was going to change and I was going to do something different, and that's that's why you know I have I have a blog that has uh, sixteen hundred entries in it. Uh, I have you know one hundred eighty thousand followers on Twitter. I have 19, over nineteen thousand four hundred connections on LinkedIn. Um, you know, there's a reason why I have all that stuff. It's because of that decision that I made back there in two thousand seven. I'm in one hundred percent agreement with you, Terry. There's so much activity in the social media realm. There are so many books vying for attention, so much content that is readily available to every single person. What's different in all of them is who we are as the writer, as the author, our story, our means, our voice, how we are received by people. Are we out there speaking? Are we out there making videos? Are we allowing people to experience us even before the book comes out? Because then they want more. And then as the book is coming out, we're actually thinking of other things that we're going to start adding to increase the expanse of our audience. And we've got to be present in front of them. And that means we do have to book engagements. We need to book television interviews, radio interviews, podcasting interviews. There's so much available to us now, as you said, Terry, that was not available before, and we must take advantage of it. And that is the ownership of our product. I've got to own it. If I'm writing it, I need to own it. It's not someone else is just going to take me and lead me by the hand and go, oh, that's okay. I'll take care of everything for you. I kind of like to have a little bit of hands on. And that's where it falls with us in the area of marketing and making it personal and having that personal plan. Publishers make great books. I mean, they they get them out to the bookstores, but really it's your activity as an author that gets people into the bookstores, buying that book and taking that book home with them. That's what does it. It's not the publisher. The publisher gets it out there. Like at Morgan James, for example, we're on not just on Amazon, we're on over 1800 online bookstores. So we sell at target.com and all those kind of places. But what moves those, the needle on the sales side is the author doing something where they can really do something. And so I've talked to authors a lot over the years about this and I'll ask authors what kind of what kind of ideas do they have for marketing their book. I remember when I was at another publisher and I took a call from an author, I asked him what kind of ideas he had. He paused for a minute and he said, "You know, he said I really have a cute granddaughter. I think we ought to do television commercials." And that was all I could do to 
keep from laughing at this author on the phone because just think about it, folks. How many television commercials do you see about books out there? Now, James Patterson does some book television commercials, but, you know, he could certainly do that as the mega author that he is. Uh, but for you and I, as first time or Christian authors, it's very unlikely that we're going to do television commercials. So come up with practical ideas of what you can really do to market and sell your book. And we're going to be offering you some help here as we get towards the end of today's session. So stick around because you're not being left in the cold. Terry has so much to offer and we're sharing these five essentials because it's so pertinent and it's easy for us to overlook what we may not perceive as one of the most important things. But coming from the position of an acquisitions person, you know what you're looking for and you're getting to hear that firsthand. So this is good. A thoughtful, thorough, personal marketing plan. And we started with the number one you shared with us, Terry, was excellent writing from the first sentence through the last. Number two, solid, specific audience and the ability to reach that audience. Number three, we need to have a well-crafted title, subtitle, and then alter alternatives of each. Number four, a thoughtful and thorough personal marketing plan. And then number five, what are you going to share with us? You know, and, and some people are going to roll their eyes when they hear the number five one, but I think they should really have a high profile endorsements or a forward in their book, particularly if it's nonfiction, they, they could write a forward for their book. You don't see many fiction books that have a, a forward in them per se from some somebody who's really well known. But what I encourage people to do, I have an article by Jacqueline Marcel that you can get to if you go to uh, terrylinks.com uh, forward slash elder. And I'll, I'll send that link so you can have it in the show notes, Linda. But absolutely, uh, that article is by Jacqueline Marcel, who was a self-published author. And she had endorsements from all kinds of well-known people, celebrities, uh, sports figures, business people. How in the world did she get that for a self-published book? It's simple. She asked. And she asked them in a specific kind of way so that they will, she made it easy for them to say yes. I have sold books to a whole room full of jaded publishing executives just because it had a forward. The, the proposal had a forward by somebody that we all knew. There are good reasons to go after those kind of endorsements. And you don't have to have them all lined up in your proposal, but you do have to have a realistic list of high profile people that you're willing to go after and reach. And you have to be realistic. So yet you, you can't say, you know, I'm going to do Johnny Erickson Tata, for example, as an endorsement for my book. And you have no relationship with Johnny or no way that you're going to be able to get that couple of sentences from her. So be realistic about who you can reach, but 
put those in there because those make a difference as to whether the publisher is really going to be interested in your proposal or not. Absolutely. And especially if you're looking at a particular traditional house and they have published that particular author, maybe. They're going to like that because it's double promotion. Think about it. Brainstorm about it. We really know more people than we know we know. Don't let it stop you and thinking, well, I don't know anyone who's, quote, famous. Well, it doesn't have to be that they're famous, but there's someone in the area, in the genre, in that's dealing with the topic that you have that's reachable. And when they take a look at what it is that you have, and maybe you give them some suggestions. This is what it's about. This is, I know that you're passionate about this. There are some right ways to do it and there's wrong ways to approach somebody, but it's good if we can get it. And also to have the forward, that's just an endorsement that is telling everyone, I like this book for its content. And if the people already like that individual, then it's going to be maybe a win-win both ways. Typically, a forward is like a um, like a short magazine article. Linda is the way I look at it. They're usually okay. uh, maybe a thousand to fifteen hundred words. After the Mega Book Marketing University, I was going back to another one of those events, and I knew I was going to see Mark Victor Hansen. And I was in the process of putting together my book, Jumpstart Your Publishing Dreams, and I wrote a forward for Mark Victor Hansen. And I took it with me to this event. I knew I was going to see Mark. And I had it in my hand as I was talking to him. He looked over at me and he said, what's this forward by Mark Victor Hansen, Terry? And I said, well, Mark, I just want you to read this over and see if you're happy with it. Uh, he said, okay, I can do that. So he took my little pieces of paper off to his hotel room. And a few hours later, I was actually on a on a panel with Mark in front of a whole huge bunch of people. And Mark looked over at me during the panel and said to me, Terry, I'm okay with that forward. And I'm like, thank you very much, Mark. That's all I needed to hear. And that's how Mark Victor Hansen wrote the forward to my jumpstart your publishing dreams book folks. I wrote that material. So you can write that kind of material for others. I've written forwards for Billy Graham and Luis Palau and, you know, all kinds of people through the years. And that's how it happens behind the scenes. But you can do this kind of thing if you put enough energy into it. And if you have some type of a connection and, you know, you will. God, God will make all of this happen. You have to take the or have the wherewithal to put it together and to present it to someone and say, I like what you said, Terry. Are, are you good with this? Is, is this something you can stand behind? And if they can't, they'll tell you, no, I can't. It needs to be changed or it needs to be this. But if they can, you've made it so easy peasy for them, especially if they already like what it is that you do. And Terry, you're on a panel with him. So you have credibility. It's already there. He knows what it is that he knows what your content is. It doesn't make it difficult. It's just taking the steps to do what needs to be done. And that is part of persevering as a writer. 
And a lot of those creative things, Linda, people aren't even aware that they can even do that kind of thing. So that's that's what I'm trying to do with some of these some of these stories and things I've been telling you is to sort of give the listeners out there permission to do this kind of thing, to put their proposal in the best possible way together. Because, I mean, the reality is there are thousands of these things out there. So you right. want to put yours together in the right kind of way so it stands out and does get published. Absolutely. And I know that you have a giveaway for our listeners. I'm going to let you share with them what they're going to be able to find in our show notes and how they can get it. Yeah, you know, I have this book uh, that I wrote as a frustrated acquisitions editor years ago called Book Proposals That Sell, 21 Secrets to Speed Your Success. Well, I originally published that book in you know, 2003, 2004, and publishing has changed a lot since that time. So now I have a revised edition to this book, uh, and the listeners can get the complete book on ebook by going just to the website, bookproposals.ws. The .ws stands for website. And then they can download the book for their Kindle or their Nook or their iPad or whatever kind of device they have. They can get it, get it there. One of the things we've learned, Morgan James, is that if somebody gets your book in the ebook format, even if they get it for free and they start to read that ebook, there is a high probability that they're going to turn and buy the print copy of the book. So we don't lose anything by giving away right. the ebook version of our book. Actually, those those email addresses uh, from that uh, our author support team sends those to me. So I use that to build my email list. But uh, I re- really want everybody to uh, get this get this free copy of my of my book and start to read it and gain the information from that. That's right, because it's an extension of what you've heard today. This is just a little bit, folks, in the amount of time that we have. Now you have access to 21 secrets to speed your success. And so, yeah, book proposals that sell. You have access to that. It's in the show notes. Take advantage of it. This has been great information that you've given to us, Terry. Thank you so much. Now I'm going to take us down a different road, Terry. I ask this with every one of our new time, first time guests on Your Best Writing Life. I'd like us to just take a peek behind the curtain of your life here. And is there something you'd be willing to share with us that probably we wouldn't find on your bio? Yeah, the unusual thing about me, Linda, that I I think of when you ask that question is... um, one summer when I was in college, I worked at the uh, Peru Daily Tribune newspaper. Uh, I was I was their summer intern. And basically, as a heritage of the town in Peru, Indiana, we have a circus that they put on uh, eight times, eight, eight shows and a uh, parade and all that. Uh, the adults are clowns. And so I was going to all these meetings anyway to write all the stuff for the circus edition. So I put on my clown white and uh, big shoes with everybody else and marched in the parade and did did eight shows as, as a clown. How many of us are going to tell people, yeah, I was a clown. 
and I, I know I shared this with you, Terry. I also have done some clowning in my lifetime and such a fabulous thing. It's just so enjoyable. And I like that human aspect of you that you're willing to participate and go that extra mile and just enjoy yourself too while you're there. So, so good. Very, very good. And as we wrap up here, um, just letting all of you know that we do have the links that we have talked about. They're in the show notes for you to take, for you to please go out there and get what Terry is offering you on his site as well. And for those that are wondering what articles, who takes what articles, I've got a link there for the 2023 Christian Writers Market Guide that's available in print, and it's also available as an online download, very reasonably priced, is available for you to be able to start setting up your stuff for 2023, actually any time of the year, but it's most current, and that's what we want. Terry, anything that you'd like to share with our listeners before we head out? Because we've got all of your link in the show notes. Anything you'd like to leave us with on book proposals? Yeah, you know, the thing I'd like to leave with you, uh, Linda, is that uh, we as authors get rejected a lot, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and we hear no all the time. Uh, One of the great opportunities that I've had as, as a writer and as an editor is I've been in some of the top literary agencies in in New York City. And I've uh, sat with these editors. And the reality is they may say that their client list is full and that they're not looking for books. But the reality is they get up every day, just like I do. And they read their email and they look at all these things that have come in over the transom. Because when they talk to me, they're saying, uh, Terry, where where is the next left behind book? You know, where's the next prayer of Jabez? Where's the next purpose-driven life book? That's what they're looking for. And so there really is great opportunity out there for all of us. I'm I'm one of these people, I believe the glass is half full rather than half empty. And there's great opportunity for us. We just need to be out there as authors, uh, whether it be in the book world or the magazine world or the podcast or whatever area it is, that's what I would want to leave with Leave with your listeners. Very good. Thank you for that. Always encouragement. The door will open if what you offer just sparks those that are looking. Sometimes we don't know what we're looking for until we find it. So do the best that you can with what you have. Offer those first fruits. Have them be most excellent, as best as what you can give. And God God does the rest. So it's all great. Thank you, Terry Whalen. Thank you so much for being here on Your Best Writing Life. Uh, it's an honor to be with you, Linda. And I just love uh, helping other writers because so many other writers have built so much and helped me in my life. And so it's just a a great way for me to pass on those things that I've learned. And you've done it well today, my friend. Very, very well today. Thank you. And thank you, friends, for joining us. We know that your time is precious and how you select to use it uh, is priceless. Please take a moment to share this podcast with another writer or two. Give us a star rating. Post an episode review, maybe on this one. Then hit subscribe. 
or hit follow, whatever your podcasting platform allows for you. I greatly appreciate what you have to say as much as what you choose to write. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being here with you next time on Your Best Writing Life.